0: My name is Angela Kinsey, and I play Angela Martin. And guess what? You're listening to that's what she said.
1: That's what she said. Episode 127. Doomsday. Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling. So
2: that's what she said. <laughs> Suicide doors on my '57 Chevy. Town like a hero. I got you on my mind, just like time. Pedal down, nowhere to go.
1: And welcome to episode 127 of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award winning NBC show. The Office, as always, I'm your Human Resources Coordinator, Matt Summer, and this week we're going to be taking an in-depth and spoiler-filled look at the sixth episode of Season 8, entitled Doomsday, which originally aired Thursday, November 3rd, 2011. It's Y2K all over again! When Robert California berates Andy for The Office staff's many mistakes, it's up to Dwight, number two shrewd, to set things right with the computerized doomsday, I mean, accountability booster. Five strikes, one home run, and the self-destruct mechanism is triggered. Surely they'll be up for the challenge, right? Meanwhile, Gabe and Daryl enter a Bermuda Triangle of Love, and, well, I guess that's about it for the plots this week. But still, there's lots to discuss, lots to talk about. Let's head on over to the water cooler.
2: It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water-cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage, because I bring my own water to work. Why'd you do this? I didn't do it. Oh, the water-cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So what do you guys hear? What's the
1: scuttlebutt? And joining me at the water-cooler this week is the man, the myth, the legend. There's no way he hasn't strangled at least one stripper. He's the deuce I never want to drop. It's Kevin Crossman. Kevin, what's going on? <laughs> hey, Matt. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, this, I'm a little hungover from the
3: 11-11-11 party, but it was lots of fun. <laughs> comes and on I, once the millennium. That's right. And I w- want to say, you know, you've given me a lot of praise in the last couple episodes of the podcast about the end of show music. Mm-hmm. And I think that some of that praise may have gone to my head because I might be feeling a little cocky tonight by uh-huh. trying to push the envelope. Just right. saying. Well, so, that sounds that's a, a te- little ominous. That's that's a tease, as they say in the radio business, for the end of the episode.
1: <laughs> Hope you like it. All right. Well, uh, so we are here to talk about Doomsday. And uh, once again, it seems like we find ourselves a little bit behind the times. Again, 100% my fault. Last weekend was the grading crunch for first quarter. So report cards needed to be filled out, grades uh, put in, tests figured out, all that kind of stuff. So had to push it back, and unfortunately, my last week was also quite busy. So here we are, and I guess uh, we're coming up on the holiday hiatus, so we'll be able to hopefully catch up yep. fairly quickly. Uh, so here we are, though, to talk about Doomsday, and Kevin, if you remember from the last episode that we did put out, um, just like with Lotto, Doomsday, we read the plot description of Doomsday, and I mocked it. Mm-hmm. And, and laughed at it and said it was the dumbest sounding thing I'd ever heard. And just like with Lotto, again, I find myself pleasantly surprised by this episode. Thursday, November third, Matt thought this was <laughs> pretty funny. I actually, you know, watched it live. I really enjoyed it. I thought there was a lot of good bits. Um, you know, I know you're going to play in, in, in the clip in a little while, but you know, once again, I found the uh, the cold open to be fairly enjoyable. Uh, maybe a little derivative of some of the other ones, but uh, just really funny. And I don't know. I like that song anyway. Yeah. So to me, I like the song and, you know, kind of felt Andy's frustration that the rest of the office are such duds. And, uh, you know, right when it's over, then boom, there comes Stanley through the door <laughs> with a big and I put a big smile on my face there. So I really enjoyed that whole thing and uh, his subsequent speech. Of course, explaining it all away. So, very funny. You know, the best two minutes of the episode, possibly. Well, that was a
3: good cold open, although there was a continuity error, right? Remember the end of, uh, what was the episode? The Incentive, maybe, with a list where they showed everyone leaving the end of the office and Andy's out there in front of the door kind of giving people high fives. So, when Pam said it was every day since he became manager, that is not true. So, a little continuity Error there, But yeah, that was a pretty good cold open. And I have to say, I enjoyed this episode immensely as well. Definitely an episode that if you read it on paper, it shouldn't have worked. But there was so many great, charming moments between these characters, uh, between Pam and Dwight, between Gabe and Val. And Daryl, there's a whole bunch of stuff to really like in this episode, and it was very,
1: very enjoyable, even on repeat viewing for me. All right. So the, as far as the plot lines and things go here, now we've been talking about all year about Daryl and his ex-wife and what's the point of all this stuff and where's all this going. Yeah. Um, so you're you're getting into the whole Daryl, Val, Gabe, love triangle situation here? I'm in, baby. <laughs>
3: Well, know, it's and, and okay. He, here, and here's the main reason why. Because anybody who's in a love triangle with Gabe that isn't named Aaron and Andy is great news for the show. Because that whole <laughs> pining for Aaron thing and trying to fight against Andy and all that stuff was getting very, very tiresome. And I have to tell you, this character, Val, she seems like one of the best characters they've introduced in years really? to me. There's something about what this actress is bringing to the performance that just... Seems very, very intriguing to me. And, uh, you know, you get a little bit of a twist there with a woman who doesn't look like Madge down in the warehouse. And she seems a little bit sharper than maybe what her status is there. And there's definitely some things that could happen with both uh, Gabe maybe as a love interest, but also Daryl from a manager boss type of thing as well. So I really like this character. I hope they keep her around. I know she's in the next episode after this one. It'd be nice if she was around for the long haul. Man, it's kind
1: of funny that you say that because I was just thinking to myself that she's kind of a, almost a blank slate at this point that um, is kind of stiff and just sort of not really – I don't know. I don't think there is much of a character there. It just seems pretty flat. Well, Does
3: some mean- of us have seen the next episode, Matt, so <laughs> – I thought we weren't going to talk about that. All right. No, well, my point. My point being is that when, when I tell you there's something there, you can take that to the bank.
1: Okay. Well, I, since I have not seen Pam's replacement episode yet, I am still in my <laughs> position that she's blur- boring and bland. So we will see. I guess when I get around to watching that one, uh, what uh, what you're seeing in that character there. So I don't know. I mean, that was okay. The thing that I, you know, th- and this is where I was kind of mentioning this before we started recording is that. My initial viewing is very positive, and I, I, I find a lot of really laugh out loud moments, from, which has been kind of few and far between for this season, you know, on the most part. So I think I probably laughed at this more than any of the other episodes we've seen. Um, the The stuff with Gabe and him kind of like ripping on Daryl, and uh, you know his, his speech to Toby. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've talked to her at the water cooler, you know, I've, I got to register. I don't want your, what is he? I don't want your red tape getting all over my junk <laughs> when it comes down to time or whatever. So, I mean, that was funny stuff. Uh, Toby's kind of ridiculous reaction. You know, you're an idiot. Um, all that kind of stuff was really funny. And, uh, you know, the way that he got kind of checked by Daryl with the coffee thing was, was, you know, it was kind of amusing, uh-huh. um, but on, on retrospect, you know, on the second and third viewing, it uh, yeah, it's a little goofy. Um, I guess I think the biggest reason why it's a little goofy is that I just don't care that much about Gabe or Daryl's love life whatsoever. So I'm hoping that this, if this is a triangle, that it's not a season long thing that they think I'm going to be caring about as far as anything goes. There's absolutely no stakes involved. Sure. Uh, Fair enough. So funny, like I said, funny stuff with the cold open. Um, I really enjoyed a lot of the lines and stuff here too as far as the uh, the plan is kind of goofy as it was. I think Jim makes a little bit of a quick leap to that whole doomsday thing uh, in the office. Maybe not quite as seamlessly as it could have been, but still it sets things up. Very well. You know, Dwight, really, what is his motivation here? Um, is he trying to get everyone motivated? Uh, is he trying to get revenge on people? Is he kind of trying to get back at Andy uh, for kicking him out of the office? What do you think his motivation is?
3: I think all of the above would uh, go in there. And, and I think Dwight, he's always had that ego, ego to him where he thinks he's the best, he does everything. He is not worried about. Making some sort of dumb screw up to get the whole branch fired, and of course he could always, you know, flow back to Shroot Farms, the money making operation, and all that. So I think that that's his motivation, and I think obviously when you get to the end of the episode, his inability to basically get all of these people he's known, come to know and love, or whatever, over the years fired, uh, is an interesting turn for this character, I think. Well, they
1: gave him a hat, after all. Yes. Uh, you know what? That's the thing. I, I mean, as far as this kind of thing goes, I'm, not, I'm still not really sure as far as what he's trying to do because, I mean, it seems like he was having this inferiority complex and he was feeling shut out. Um, and in the deleted scene, there's kind of like this weird reference to saying that now that he has more responsibilities or something, I'm not really sure where that came from as far as if I missed an episode where... Dwight was somehow given these extra responsibilities. Um, maybe he's just referring to being the number two that we saw way back from the first episode. Um, yeah, but he was kind of that way with Michael, so I don't know if things so have really changed. Sure. Like, But I'm not sure then why that line is in there as far as that no. goes. But, um, so it's kind of weird, and I wasn't sure then what it means because he's thrown out of the office, and then he's feeling bad, and he has that big speech about number twos being in charge, and, um, and he comes up with this plan, and so you think... All right. Well, is he doing this to motivate the staff? He really thinks is going to work, and then he's going to get praised for his great idea, and so he's going to become you know elevated up. Um, because I, I can't believe that Dwight Schrute would ever think these people would ever do this. Though that's kind of the the well, problem with the plan.
3: See, see, that's the one thing I did really like about this. Also, was it was nice to see Robert California kind of hold their toes to the fire a little bit about how kind of big screw ups they are. Mm-hmm. and it seems like this would be the right time. He's been around for a while. He's not doing this the first week out. Clearly, they are not improving their productivity, and they're making lots of errors, and he wants to call them on it. And I think that that's good uh, sort of plot device, obviously, for the episode, but a good character motivation as well. Uh, it certainly puts Andy in his place a little bit as well. And, and again, from Dwight's perspective, maybe that's what these guys need is a little bit of pressure to, to not be screw-ups. And what he realizes, of course, by the end, is that once a screw-up, always a screw-up. <laughs> well, Pobody's nerfed, Kevin, <laughs> as you That's remember. That's exactly. <laughs> and so, I, although, you know, I did find it kind of ironic that, you know, Oscar was directly uh, responsible for at least two out of the five strikes. <laughs> and you'd think that he'd be on the, you know, more competent side
1: of yeah. uh, the screw-up things. Well, we saw his cockiness there, which I think was I, I, I enjoyed that the line uh-huh. about, you know, his his that is because his, his you know, his character is that self you know, inflated sense of self worth and all that That's stuff. That's right. And he's gonna yep. use, his brain, you know. This is the only computer I need. Uh-huh. Uh so I mean that did kinda make sense and his testing it at first, you know, <laughs> also made sense 'cause he'd be the kind of guy that would want to debunk it if it was fake. Right. I mean, so I kind of I, I bought that, um, but just to go back to the thing with Dwight again, I'm, I'm still trying to figure this out. I think that initially, you know, like I said, there's a lot of really funny stuff. There's a lot of really good lines in this episode, and I, I th- I'm I'm going to call this probably the best of season eight so far, at least for me, mm-hmm. as far as laugh goes. But the Dwight thing, maybe it was just the fact that it was a little condensed or it wasn't quite as clear as, as it should have been. Um, Because we've seen this before. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, we've seen that Dwight is the nice guy at the end of the episode, like three or four times already. Um, Sure. You know, the fake one where he had Pam as the office manager, just, you know, to mention one most recently where then it goes back and we see him like looking through the door and have, you know, getting everything worked out for her and giving in and giving her the handbook. You know, so I mean, it's, it's something that we've seen. So it's not quite that original. Um, I'm not really sure exactly why that them coming out to his house actually sort of won him over either, because it wasn't like I don't know. It, it was it seemed a little convenient, I guess, as far it didn't seem to earn that ending with what had come before. But I'm willing to forgive that, I guess, because it it was you know the little Dwight has a heart inside the evil nasty thing that we've kind of come to see. On the show. So that was okay. Um, but just, I think, I guess what my favorite part about it was, is, is it's kind of weird that, so if Dwight did this to motivate, he really thought it was going to motivate people. uh, Um, I I can understand then his frustration is he, he does finally snap. And the favorite line of his, I think from the show is when he yells at, at everybody, in the office and Phyllis says something like, well, we tried our best. He says, no, you didn't.
2: You didn't try anything. You
1: know, he's like, you're mad. You you goofed around. You didn't do any work. You tried to crack on my computer. That's right. Um, and then he, so it's kind of funny, but then he's sort of like, well, screw you. I don't care. We're going to close this down. Uh, I I don't know. It's kind of strange, but, uh, well,
3: and of course at the end of the day, the situation with Robert isn't particularly resolved because these, Oh, Okay, disaster is averted. Doomsday does not come. The bomb does not go off. But there's still five errors. Well, <laughs> that are on yeah. the books, and so you would think that that is not going to bode well with Robert California. But I guess that I would suspect that that's going to be a plot point that will we will never see be resolved. I would well, think.
1: Speaking of Robert California, we've had our ups and downs with this character, and I've, you know, I kind of said famously maybe last week that I'm sort of tired of him. Uh Already. Um, I I thought in this episode that he was used fairly well for just that first setup part of the episode. Um, But I do want to say what I think was probably the weakest aspect of the episode is when we get the Jim goes to the squash court uh, outing. So let's uh, let you tell me why I'm wrong for that.
3: (laughs) Well, uh, you can we can debate the plot points and the literary value of that whole scene. But I got to say, Krasinski just killed it in that scene with all the physical humor. Just time after time after time in that whole sequence, he was great, and that made it completely worth it to me. That he rips off the you know the the label off the squash racket and the yeah. whole it business throws with the, his iPhone over the, the whole business of the device. phone was hilarious. You know, it's <laughs> it's a standard iPhone. You know, everyone has. Well, I don't have it. <laughs>
1: I have the one great. everyone doesn't have. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I, I don't know. I just felt, to me, that felt like, it just felt kind of superfluous to the rest of the episode. That it's just kind of like we needed something for Jim to do. Um, yeah, but it would make sense that if they were going to put this plan
3: in action, you know, it's like, some of us will stay here. Some yeah. of us try to intercept the message just in case. And some of you work on Dwight. I mean, that would, that would be the logical way you'd approach this problem. Really? And so if, just like, I mean, if, if, if you're going to buy into the, this is what you're problem of the day is and here's how you have to
1: deal with it right all right so you're I'm gonna, gonna, say, I you're gonna randomly find out where the guy is uh, i suppose maybe what there's only one squash court in scranton pennsylvania uh and plus the weird thing to me is i just i mean i was expecting him to say something like uh why are you here <laughs> it's still work time what are you doing here you know well Didn't really call him on that but he could be called on that too right well He's the CEO, so I guess he can do well, whatever he wants. <laughs> you know? But I don't know. What? To me, that was the weakest part. And there's actually it, there's actually a deleted scene where he, he kind of explains why he did that goofy nutshot thing to himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if you've heard that before, but he kind of talks about how that's the only thing he knows about squash from watching 80s movies. That What's you want to hit yourself in the nuts <laughs> with a squash ball. Okay, so not really that funny. I guess that's why it's cut. So yeah, not uh, not my favorite part uh, of the episode. The other stuff did enjoy it. Um, <laughs> we got another little bit here, though, of your favorite character Kevin getting stupider and stupider. Did you enjoy that? Nah,
3: I. It was it was brief enough that it was fine with me <laughs> because like his little special
1: project and that whole thing.
3: I actually well, did you kind know when the man chuckle. tree
1: puts his penis in the. And uh, the business with him not taking off his shoes was funny too. It was a no, good was callback. Funny and, and then the stupid thing where he's like, Kevin, you know, Annie's assembling his dream team. He's like, guys, I'm right here. I don't know. That was that was a pretty good line. But uh, the
3: uh, the physical humor where he comes in with the. The giant um, frying pan. (laughs) Yeah, that (laughs) That was was pretty
1: good too. That was that was pretty good. (laughs) Anyway, well,
3: let's talk about the writing credits. This was written by co-executive producer Daniel Chun, which is his fifth writing credit on the series, and the episode was directed by Troy Miller. This is his second directing credit after last season's Dwight K. Schrute, acting manager. So, another Dwight episode.
1: And uh, Daniel Chun, uh, kind of famously, is his previous writing credit before coming on the Office was. Uh, writing for the simpsons so i think there's a lot of similar kind of simpsons-esque sorts of sensibilities in his scripts at times so perhaps that explains the uh frying pan and uh, the other stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know kevin if you hit another horse you've dug too far all right uh let's get into the opening here then the cold open as we said enjoyed it very much and let's take a listen to andy's big office tradition
2: Hey everybody, it's closing time. You don't gotta go home, but you can't stay here.
3: Aaron's told to get into it. Closing
2: time. Every office needs an end of the day tradition. Something to tell you the day's over. Otherwise, you go home and the night just feels like more day. It's weird. (laughs) Closing time.
0: W-R-K.
2: One last ball for no, alcohol, no, so okay. finish your way,
0: ski and beer. Oh, my boss is singing oh. in closing, time. On, on, <laughs> closing Time.
2: Come on, Kevin. Come on, Closing time. Time for you to go home to the places you will be
0: from. Let's see. Andy has been manager for 105 days, which means I've heard Closing Time 105 times. Still don't know the words.
2: You know what? Fine. I try to start fun traditions for you guys, but if you don't want to sing, no traditions.
4: Closing (laughs) time, every new beginning. I never heard that song before, and once I heard it, I did not care for it. But that song (laughs) means it's time to go home. Now, it's my favorite song.
1: (laughs) I heard it, and I did not care for it. (laughs) Best Stanley line of the season,
3: you know, and I don't know those lyrics to that song either. So I'm totally right there with Pam on that one. Oh man, that's a classic. Love, <laughs> love that song. No, it's a good song. I, I think it's a great song. Perfect, you know, time capsule 1998. But
1: I don't know any of the lyrics oh. except the words closing time. I do, I guess. So, vertical horizon for the win. Let's go on to the second clip. Get into the rest of the episode here. So. What is the situation as we say Robert and uh, Andy are having a little meeting uh, talking about their favorite Iron Chefs and other stuff, and Robert's got a bit of a problem.
2: Last week an accounting mistake resulted in a client
4: getting their order for free. Oof, that's (laughs) not good.
2: Chalk that one up to Tweedledee and Tweedledum out there. (laughs) Who are they? They're both Kevin. (laughs) Oscar is the Sex and the City gang, and Angela...
1: Sometimes I feel like you don't know me at all. (laughs) I would agree with that. Simply end the mistakes.
2: End the mistakes. When I come back next week and this report shows me no mistakes, we can talk about names all day. Our favorite names, silly made-up names, (laughs) normal names said in a silly voice. Wouldn't that be nice? I would like that. End the mistakes. That's all I ask there 's
1: nothing about that clip i don 't like I have to say <laughs> it, very,
3: very good clip there that whole <laughs> sequence I, I you know the the stuff where Dwight was kind of trying to come in or whatever that was a little weird and awkward, but um,
2: well,
1: it feels like something that we 've seen before, and maybe yeah. i don 't know if we have or haven't, but it just seems so. You know, eight years, Dwight's still trying to muscle his way into being in the inner circle, being the boss right uh, or what have you that uh maybe a little predictable, but still, like I said, I loved every line in there the, the <laughs> we can talk about silly names, you know you don't know me at all. I would agree with that <laughs> uh <laughs> well and and this is the kind of menacing
3: part of the character that we really would hope to see more of, I think,
1: yeah, and I kind of wish like i said I, I as as much as you enjoyed that squash court scene, I would. I would I would have loved it if that just sort of would have been his whole contribution for this episode. It would have been more than enough and as I said, I just sure. <laughs> the, maybe because I'm a food network watcher, but I found that Iron Chef line pretty amazing as well. So a little bit more insight into Robert's <laughs> personality. Mm -hmm. I guess. Well, leave it up to Dwight. He aims to impress, and he's trying to move up the ladder. He wants to show Andy and Robert that he has what it takes to get in that inner circle here. And so what is his plan?
2: Well, it is very diabolical. I may have a little solution to our mistakes problem. This is a project I've been working on for quite some time, and today might be the day to use it. What do you got? Allow me. This Is hilarious? I love that, too. Yeah, I know. (laughs) You're going to love this. Uh, I should have used a shorter string. Never mind. I know it by heart. It is a system that holds people accountable for everyone else's work. Sounds controversial. (laughs) Have I not been worthy of your trust? Have I not been a reliable number two? Do not go there. You're the deuce I never want to (laughs) drop. Well, I can make this work. I'll set it up right now. I just need your go-ahead. Go do the voodoo that you do so well. I will do my
4: voodoo. Mm
1: -hmm. Oh Yeah, so there's an interesting new dynamic, I guess, as far as what what we see there with uh, the Dwight-Andy versus the Dwight-Michael relationship, that Michael uh, isn't as gullible (laughs) as Andy is. I think that's kind of funny. I don't know if Dwight could have manipulated Michael in quite such a way. But Uh easily, easily manipulating Andy, which hopefully he will never do again. Andy's learned his lesson, but, you know, everybody gets one. So he uh, doesn't want to be the bad guy. So he backs down, you know, it sounds controversial. Uh, And hilarious little bit of physical humor there with the stupid string on the folder. If you've ever
3: worked in an office, yes. So string
1: thing. enjoyed that quite a bit.
3: And I like the way that they set this up where you don't quite know what's going on. And then it sets it up, of course, for the next scene where they have the conference room and all the details are laid out. So it, it, I th- you're right. You know, Andy basically just says, sure, let's go without
1: really exactly knowing the details of <laughs> yeah, the plan. Yeah, don't trust me? <laughs> Uh, sure I do. No, bad, bad, bad maneuver there, Andy. So Andy basically gives him the go-ahead to do the voodoo he does so well without any knowledge of his plan. And uh, <laughs> while Dwight explains it here, I think Andy, you know, he, he's feeling quite regretful that he went along with it, but he's still not quite willing to, uh, to play the bad guy. Boss still believes in Dwight. Uh, like I said, <laughs> probably shouldn't, but alas, here we are. Dwight and
2: I have implemented a new program that we like to call... Dwight? The Accountability Booster. It registers every time a mistake has been made in the office, from a late delivery to an accounting error. Five strikes in a day equals a home run. One home run, and you're out. If we as a group make five mistakes in a day something bad happens, like we block Minesweeper. Or in this case, an email gets sent to Robert, California containing the consultant's report from last year. Remember the one that recommended the branch be shut down? What's and as a failsafe, also, every negative email you've ever written about him to the group will also be forwarded to him.
4: What emails are you talking about?
2: Robert's favorite songs, Creep by TLC, Creep by Radiohead. Remember that one, Jim? Uh, there's no way he hasn't strangled at least one stripper. Hey! Mr. <laughs> He eats his yogurt like he is punishing it for disappointing him. Kelly. It's not that bad, actually. P.S. We should kill him. <laughs> Wait, so you installed a doomsday device?
0: No, it's an accountability booster. <laughs> Which, when it goes off, it destroys everything very similar to a doomsday device. Jim, you're trying to make me sound like
2: some kind of evil maniac. Now, the point is, is that we are now working in an environment where we have accountability to each other. I am confident that you guys are equal to the task.
4: Um, no,
2: we're not. No. And you are a psycho who is ruining our lives. <laughs> we can't do this, Dwight. This is not a good Smile. No, smile not.
1: Yeah, that's what you get for trusting Dwight. I liked how the office was very quick
3: to go in the no, 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 we're not worthy. And, you know, not just the usual suspects, but some of the people like. Ryan, who you would think might have some confidence about some of the stuff, he was right down in there with that group and everyone else. So I, I like that immediately they realized, oh, shit, we're in for it now.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, I mean, you already talked about that a little bit before, that we get uh, Oscar, the Doubting Thomas. He basically tests it just to see that it's real, and a little thing pops up on the screen. Um, and then Aaron, for some <laughs> reason, starts, like, taping the X's on the front desk. Yep. Um, She's into it. Bunch of mistakes start to pile up and uh, things are not looking good for the crew. But uh, while that's going on, then let's take a little stroll down to the warehouse and get into our B-plot here with, uh, you know, Gabe (laughs) – uh you know he's, he goes in and he has a little small talk conversation with val from the warehouse goes back to toby registers his stuff whatever and then he's going down to the warehouse um can't get enough of that sweet sweet val who knows what the belt is for
0: it's for protecting my ass when you suckers lift more than you can handle sup i'm gabe corporate continue don't be nervous
4: apparently we have a visitor gabe everyone
0: hi gabe all
4: right, so the support belt. Now, this one is mine. Doesn't get much use nowadays. Look at this. This is enormous. Oh.
0: I get the sense that Val enjoys a good put-down. Considering that's the only thing I know about her, I will be milking that hard. It's like a hula hoop, right? is who I swing. You got it? The Michelin man called. He wants his cumberbund back snap
1: you know it's kind of funny with this now with the uh, the total shift of the new warehouse guys there's really a dynamic change in the way that things used to be you know with michael and the warehouse relationship the first however many seasons basically where they were nasty you know they were kind of mean and stuff and like that the whole thing where he michael came down there to get the joke and they just start ripping on him and you know, mm-hmm. chase Michael off, and here, here's Daryl. All right, uh, you know, here's Gabe down there, just little beanpole Gabe ripping on Daryl. <laughs> you know, and he, not afraid, not uh, so. It's really a totally different thing.
3: Well, maybe because Gabe actually delivered the goods, rather than
1: Michael, <laughs> who always sort of came off as foe. You know, well, possibly, but I just think that it's you know. The, just the fact that these people are all new and they're all sort of these weird, kind of different personalities. Yes. Um, and it's not really anything like the old, kind of burly crew that you used to expect, you know? Um, right. Although, Kevin, I do have to say that I am sad that we don't appear to have kept our uh, doctoral candidate <laughs> warehouse worker. <laughs>
3: But wait, but maybe it was a, this was a show that was t- taking place on a Monday and a Wednesday or <laughs>
1: that could be Tuesdays also, I forget. Maybe, yeah. His uh, teaching schedule is pretty <laughs> rough. So I don't know. I still, I'll still hold out hope. I mean, so that was kind of funny. I mean, it was, it was interesting that Daryl gets scored on and he's kind of putting up with it for some reason that I'm not quite sure why um, trying to play the bigger man. No pun intended. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> he gets his way. You know, he'll, he'll figure things out, though, fairly quickly in a pretty smooth way. But back to the office. Unfortunately for our crew, well, they've hit their limit. It's a home run.
0: You sent the late notice to Reinhardt and Wolf. Right? Mm hmm. 646.20. 676.20.
3: Uh
0: oh. Yes.
1: 588 plus 15%. Oh no! What does this mean? What does it mean?
0: <sighs> oh!
1: Oh! <gasps> <laughs> That's five strikes. Well, oh,
2: who I do? was saving this for my retirement, which I guess is today. <laughs> Wait, we got five strikes. Really? Did the email go out or? It goes out automatically at five p.m. Well, th- there's got to be a way to stop it. Well, I would have to enter my password in order to cancel it. Okay. Dwight, you may now enter your password. (laughs) No. What? You don't deserve to have this branch. Five mistakes in less than a day? We did our best. No, you didn't, Phyllis. You complained the whole time. You yelled at me. You tried to break into the machine.
4: What? You're a real problem, you know that? Hey, you can't
2: just change the rules because you don't like the outcome. What about you, Kevin? What about you and your fake task? Can you tell me now where paper comes from? Uh, the man tree puts its penis. Okay. all right. Andy, back me up here, please. No. What? No! Do I be human for once? Shut down the machine? Shut it down! Shut it down! Shut down the machine!
4: Shut it down! Shut it down. Ah!
2: Good luck finding a new job, idiots. I'll make sure to write you a glowing reference. Glowingly negative.
1: Um, that I, I could see that you laughed at that very hard, but that uh, Mindy Kaling and Ellie Kemper bit right there was really, to me, it fell really flat as far as uh, tatter oh, no. of the humor for the rest of the episode, so I didn't... No, 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 they're freaking out! <laughs> or, or Kelly's freaking
3: out and then Erin doesn't know what to do, but she jumps in to scream just because.
1: <laughs> I guess, but I don't know. Why would Kelly care that much? I uh, Anyway, alright. It just It felt weird and it made me kind of cringe, but... Anyway, let's talk about that because one of the things that I thought they kind of misstepped on, and maybe it's only the 21-minute running time. um, It it would have been – I just feel like it it was kind of a mistake to skip from the third to the fifth step. Like Mm -hmm. I think it would have been way better if the tension would just keep mounting like little bit by little bit by little bit during the first – 15 minutes or whatever of the episode, however long it's going to be, you know, till, till everyone's walking on pins and needles, you know, and then, then they make that last mistake, and then it's like, oh my God. Um, we didn't well, really it, see that, I kind of missed that whole point.
3: No, and you didn't really see much of the peer pressure to perform other than from Angela there. So it, that was another thing where I kind of was mentioning earlier where you didn't really get to see some of these, and one of them was a, you know, kind of that test run. Thing so you didn't really get to see who made all the screw ups and what they were around and all that other stuff. So I agree with you, that might have been a nice way of approaching it. I mean, I think if you had just this A-plot, A plot, that would have been a good 20 minute episode, but you know how these things work, they have to have the B plot sometimes and uh, well, no time.
1: No, I mean, I don't even mind. Well, I, I didn't love that B plot anyway, but that's kind of you know, they could have totally gotten rid of that squash thing. Oh, to make no. for that stuff. I, I really think that they could have been, again, uh, even more of a masterpiece. They could have built up that sense of tension and that feeling um, uh, rather than just kind of shoehorning in that other stuff. But I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree. Um, so they're – and that's the thing as far as that goes. Like why is Dwight so upset? Why does he refuse to help? Is he, he refusing to help because they really didn't try that He felt like that, He, yeah. he, he really he, is disgusted, but it's they like, didn't try. He does, they don't deserve it. They had five screw ups in less than a day. Well, that's Although true. Although, really, it was it's, really it's only four, but it's his you know. job as well. Why is he killing his own job? Because I, he doesn't need the money. I, I, I think he does. What about his mortgage on the office park? Boy, remember that plot line? Yeah, <laughs> where did that well, go? It, probably raking it in, you know. Uh, uh anyway, well. Because of that, then everyone splits off. Dwight goes home. Andy comes up with a crack team. Pam, with her enormous breasts, and and you know, kind of <laughs> liking for Dwight. Uh, Aaron goes along. Andy goes along. Kevin, you know, the great likability factor. Yep. Uh, all go out to go try to convince Dwight to hand over the password. You know, meanwhile, Jim is sent on the mission to go track down Robert at the squash court and get. What he can get, try to intercept that email as it goes out, and uh, well, hilarity ensues. Next week, will
0: Robert, Jim, what are you? What a surprise! Yeah, well, you know, just had a meeting, squash meeting. Yeah, you up for a game?
2: A game or a match?
0: Exactly. Here we go. Let's do it. Uh, so okay. I-
3: we got a little bit there. He claimed he was there for a, a business meeting. So,
1: I agree with you. I mean, I know possibility. It, it is sort of entertaining on a certain level. I mean, there's some funny lines and there is some good physical stuff. I agree, <clears throat> um, but uh, I've already said my piece, I guess. All right. <laughs> let's go ahead and move on. Then back to the office. Well, you know, Gabe tries to impress. Val, with his crisp hundred dollar bill, he pulls out for the uh, the coffee run, tries to make Daryl get the coffee to show his importance. Daryl screws him by inviting Val along with, so it looks like he and Val kind of bond and have this nice conversation on the coffee run. Uh, Gabe's left out in the cold, but uh, he's still going to take that leap
0: and ask her out. Hey. You're welcome. Thanks for the coffee. So, tonight I was thinking I'm going to go to the cemetery, I'm going to drink a little wine, and uh, I thought maybe you'd like to come with me.
2: Are you asking me on a date?
0: Yes, I am. Mm -hmm.
2: Because I don't date coworkers. It's not personal. It's a matter of policy.
0: I could quit. Problem solved.
2: Don't quit.
4: Good policy. Sensible. Smart.
1: Oh, poor Daryl. Two things i got to ask you, Kevin. Number one... (laughs) Who says wow. <laughs> you're welcome to someone to get them to say thank you that you're trying to ask on a date? And number two, what the yeah. fuck? The cemetery drinking <laughs> wine? What the hell? Yeah, that
3: was a pretty bizarre. I thought maybe it was some sort of, you know, gangsta reference, maybe. I don't you know. You know, pour the wine over the grave. or I don't know. <laughs> you know, who the hell, I know. But, yeah, that was a little bizarre. But it, and it was amazing that she held it together to not sort of laugh in his face about that. Yeah. But as a matter so. of policy. Now, I wasn't really picking up on that Daryl vibe there until the end with this line of a matter of policy. I mean, do you think he's really interested?
1: Um, well, I guess you're going to tell me more probably from the episode I haven't seen. But it uh, that's surely what it seemed like. Right, uh, especially yeah. when you have the only two black characters on the show. <laughs> no, aside from Stanley anyway. But, uh, you yep. know. They gotta, they gotta hook up, male and female. We've been going through all that nonsense with Justine,
0: mm-hmm. so
1: it's, destiny awaits, my friend. Yep. Well, so you know, everyone goes out to Shrewd Farms, and, and it's so transparent. and That's the thing. That it would be all, even, it'd be funnier if Dwight knew that it was a fake, that he understood that they were trying to play him, and that he did it anyway, but he still understood that they were playing him. You know, like, he uses them, well, they volunteer to help him dig the horse grave and other stuff. You don't think that he was onto them? Well, but then why that big speech at the end? You know, when he, like, sits by himself and then he brushes off the little cap and puts it on his head. I don't know. It made me because feel like-
3: he be- Well, we'll talk about it when we have that clip. But, I mean, I think he was onto them right away. That's why I immediately had them jump in there, take off their shoes, get digging... You know, but okay, he didn't tell you want you to wanna, do that, you he No, but they, but you know, it was sort of implied. You know, you, you come out here to try to convince me. Well, try to convince me. Let's see you stand in my shoes and dig a horse grave, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, like I said before, I kind of dropped this line. I, I didn't get any reaction out of you, but that's one of the things that he says, you know, is that if you, if you hit another horse, you've dumped too far. <laughs> That's a, that was a good line. I enjoy that line. I do. Um, so there's some funny stuff. Definitely, uh, very transparent that they're trying to work him. Um, as I said, it might be maybe a little funnier if he would have been more aware of it. I guess you say he was. I didn't really get that sense. It made it to me. It made it seem like he was really uh, bamboozled by their fake camaraderie because they obviously mm-hmm. couldn't give two shits about Dwight. <laughs> they're out there to save their own jobs, so. All right. Well, uh, you know, Kevin, I, we talked about this the first episode, I believe, and I, uh-huh. I, I can't believe that they're still going back. Oh, are this. you kidding? This is not. This is not the "That's What She Said" of season eight. Oh, you gotta be kidding me! No matter how much they want it to be. Why haven't we heard anything? It's four forty-five. There's only fifteen minutes left.
2: Oh, now you can do math. Where were you two hours ago, beautiful mind? I made a mistake. I'm sorry.
1: I know how to save the company, everyone. Just write a petition, get everyone's signature, including our clients, march down to Florida, and shove it up your butt. <laughs> it's not that funny. <laughs> <laughs> At least someone finally called him on that. It's not that funny. I got to tell you, I, I fell for that
3: line, hook, line, sinker, and I that's still Cracks me up. So I agree. It's not that that's what she said. This is not going to you know go beyond the show like like that catchphrase did. But but I got to tell you, I, I you know I think that was just perfectly placed in the what the eighth episode here. If they do that every so often, unexpectedly like that, and it, and this was a perfect setting where everyone's trying to spitball ideas. And he I mean,
1: here's how we'll do this, huh? and he <laughs> drops it. I thought that was great. Alright, well again, I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree there on Stanley's quote-unquote hilarious lines. Um, So back to Dwight's house. The timer is ticking down. Everyone's getting upset. It looks like it's game over for the office crew. Pam has one last little maneuver to try to win Dwight over. And fortunately for them, it does seem to be successful.
4: Oh Pam, you got something on your shirt. Oh, <laughs>
0: well. Nobody's perfect, right?
2: Did you just have a stroke, Pam? Nobody's perfect. Nice stroke, Pam.
0: No, it's a <laughs> jokey saying. Nobody's perfect. Like, I can't even say those words right.
2: <laughs> I haven't heard that before. That's that's funny. <laughs> Dwight, there's just a small. You know matter what would of- go
0: so great with this cabbage pie? Milk.
2: Any specific animal?
0: I'm thinking cow. cow. Oh. What are you doing? It's five to five. Just don't talk about the email, okay? He's gonna cancel it on his own. I really think he will. That's insane. Just trust me.
2: Trust you like I trusted Dwight this morning? I got this.
0: <laughs> Thanks for everything.
2: Sive Dreyfly. Isn't that supposed to be drive safely?
1: Oh Kevin. <laughs> so yeah, a couple of funny lines in there, obviously. Yes, that's that's quite funny.
3: That was I thought it was so hilarious the way Rain <laughs> Wilson delivered that line and the way he was just contemplating it.
1: It was just great. Yeah, and the little stupid thing was like, Don't say cow. <laughs> I don't know. That was kind of amusing. But uh so there you go. Pam. Nice stroke pan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a nice stroke pan. Yeah, so that was some funny stuff in there. Uh, The the Pobody's Nerfic thing, a little corny. Um, But uh, there you go. One Dwight over in the end. And of course, everything works out for the best. Unfortunately for Jim, he still has not learned that yet. And he goes through this whole big ass rigmarole thing with Robert California at the squash court.
0: Is that my ball? sounded like mine no i think it's mine let me just check real quick here all right
2: well it's mine you took it out of my
1: bag <laughs> oh Oop.
0: yeah can i have it yes right now yes yeah. <laughs> there you go whoa no wait Wait! Whoa. <laughs> oh <laughs> man. sorry did it break
4: no it's good you nice. sure yeah.
2: what kind of iphone is that It's the standard one, the one everyone has. Oh Yeah, I have the one that nobody has. Is there anything interesting? It depends, Jim. Do you find one day only JetBlue sales to Buffalo interesting?
0: (laughs) No, I don't. No, I don't.
1: So, again, enough has been said by me. So you want any final comments about why that was awesome? Again, I like the physical comedy that, you know, if you're going to throw any
3: phone, the iPhone 4, of course, is the one you don't want to throw with glass on both sides, even if it's in a case. So,
1: Come on, it's know, that Gorilla Glass, of, Kevin.
3: That was, that was kind of funny, too.
1: Steve said it was indestructible. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Eh, a little bit amusing, I guess. But still, Jim has the good news. He, he texts everyone back in the office that it's off. They didn't get the email. Everyone celebrates, uh, you know. All that's left is for Dwight to just sort of muse about what he's done.
2: They're not my favorite people in the world. I wouldn't even call them friends. I come over here, eat my pie, dig the crappiest horse grave you've ever seen. God, I'm going to have to work with them forever, aren't I?
1: Ah, the happy, sad endings, though. Cranky old (laughs) Dwight, relented. He really loves those characters in The Office
3: yeah maybe in, in hearing that clip maybe you are correct that he didn't quite get what they were
1: doing um, so uh, I don't know maybe I have to retract that All right. I won yes alright well let's listen to you. before we go on to the next segments a couple of deleted scenes actually like I said there's four posted so a lot of stuff uh, let's take a listen Robert do you want to smoke pipes during our meeting
2: Let's wait until we have something to smoke about. Yes, of course. Aaron. Hey, Andy. Yeah? Maybe I could sit in on this one with you. You know, that way I can cover you in case you need to urinate or you just want another opinion or defecate. I don't think so. Well, I just thought with my new increased responsibilities and all. Yeah, I'm still figuring out the two-man bobsled here. So let's hold off on the D-man for now. not make any mistakes today or at least no more than four.
4: This doomsday device
2: sounds like a scare tactic to me. Y2K all over again. Oh, I was all about the Y2K bug. Paid some guy to update my PCs, threw out my microwave, canceled my plane ticket, sold all my stops, spent New Year's Eve in my basement with a gas mask
1: on my face. I was even wearing a diaper. Someone said Y2K would get the toilets.
0: <laughs> this could be real. Dwight's pretty handy with computers. He fixed my laptop once. Okay, you didn't fix it. The brightness level was all the way down. You couldn't fix it. I wasn't <laughs> here that day. Yes, you were. Yep. No. Okay, well, we'll talk about it later. Mm-hmm. Strasbourg. I had a meeting in Strasbourg, and I dropped you off beforehand. I was wearing a tan shirt with stripes. I don't think so, babe. Okay. This is crazy.
4: What are you doing here, Gabe?
0: Well, Daryl, considering that I basically own the place, I'm just chilling at casa. This is me in repose, I suppose. You know, there's this expression, bros before hoes, and what that's short for is brothers before whores. Uh, <laughs> I don't buy that. I would throw any brother under the bus for any whore. <laughs> well, man. I have never played squash, but I've seen it in countless 80s movies, and it seems like the most common mistake is that you serve too hard and hit yourself right in the squash balls. So as long as I don't do that, I think I'll be all right. Good game. You are a worthy opponent. You want to uh, play one more? I don't think so. No? Come on.
2: Why? Not only are you terrible at squash, but you don't even seem to enjoy it, Jim. This is not enough of a challenge
0: for me. Well, that is because you didn't realize that
2: (coughs) I'm left-handed.
1: So that Gabe line—that was definitely a winner. Too bad that was not in the episode. Yeah, they should have found some space
3: for that. <laughs> I just have, have to admit. Alright. Uh, any
0: messages? Yeah, just a fax.
4: Oh, and this is from corporate. How many know, times I- have I
2: told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate?
0: You have to.
2: Call well, the waste paper basket. <laughs> <laughs> Did we get a, a fax
0: this morning? Yeah. Uh, yeah,
4: the one. Why didn't, uh,.
0: I'm gonna get it.
4: You put it in the garbage can that was a special
0: filing cabinet. Yeah, uh, that was a joke. All
1: right, well, before we get into our very slim news section this week, let's talk about ways you can help to support the podcast if you so desire. One way is to go to audiblepodcast.com slash she said and sign up for a free 14-day trial of the Audible audiobook service. You will get with your trial a free one-credit Audiobook download. What is audible.com? Well, it is the internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, providing digital versions of tens of thousands of audiobooks for download to computer, MP3 player, cell phone, whatever you got. Audible's got some kind of an app for it. Every genre, Audible's got you covered. Like I said, free two-week trial, free one audiobook download if you sign up using our link there, Audible podcast dot com slash she said and uh both of us this week have a pick so my pick this week is i am reading the brand new 11 slash 22 slash 63 by stephen king um big king fan and i'm enjoying this book quite a lot i'm not quite done yet i'm about 60 percent done um so far definitely a good read what is this book about well on november 22nd 1963 Three shots rang out in Dallas, President Kennedy died, and the world changed. But what if you could change it back, Kevin? What if? In this brilliantly conceived tour de force, Stephen King, who has absorbed the social, political, and popular culture of his generation more imaginatively and thoroughly than any other writer, takes listeners on an incredible journey into the past with the possibility of altering it. So 30 hours of audible entertainment could be yours for free Kevin, what do you have for us this week? Well,
3: that sounds like a really
1: interesting book.
3: And my pick uh, this week, you know, we've talked in past episodes about Mindy Kaling, he has got this new book out, Is Everyone Hanging Out Without Me? And Other Concerns. And this is available on Audible as well. And we have a clip that we'll play here in a second. I, right. also wanna, I also want to promote a little bit. Uh, Mindy's got a new blog, com, and it's... Kind of interesting. Some of the stuff she has on here, obviously she's promoting the book with some blog things, but also, uh, you know, just her own uh, observations of life, including uh, some links to the American Apparel catalog, which I enjoyed. <laughs> if you happen to go to her blog, but anyway, right. ladies, you can hear play. Let's play a little bit of the uh, the clips so you can get a sense of what an aud- audible aud- audiobook sounds like.
4: I forget nothing. A sensitive kid looks back. Chubby for life. I don't remember a time when I wasn't chubby. Like being Indian, being chubby feels like it is just part of my permanent deal. I remember being in first grade in Mrs. Gilmore's class at Fisk Elementary School and seeing that Ashley Kemp, the most popular girl in our class, weighed only 37 pounds. We knew this because we weighed her on the industrial postal scale they kept in the teacher's supply closet. I was so envious. I snuck into the supply closet later that same day to weigh myself. I was a whopping 68 pounds. Some of the first math I understood was that I was closer to twice Ashley's weight than to her weight. Don't be closer to twice a friend's weight than to her actual weight, I told myself. This little mantra has helped me stave off obesity for more than two decades. My mom's a doctor, but because she came from India and then Africa, where childhood obesity was not a problem, she put no premium on having skinny kids. In fact, she and my dad didn't mind having a chubby daughter. Part of me wonders if it even made them feel kind of prosperous, like... Have you seen Our Overweight Indian Child? Do you know how statistically rare this is?
1: <laughs> so it's a little bit of it. I've, I read the first about 10 or 20 pages or so of the book. Uh, it's fairly light. I mean, if you're going to get a pick, this is going to be very quick, uh, a very light read. So it might be worth getting for free. Yep. And if you're
3: a fan of The Office, obviously you get to hear Mindy narrate it herself. So that's always nice.
1: That is true. Uh, All right. Other ways you can help the show, very simply go to That's What She Said, uh, our website there at twsspodcast.com. Click on the PayPal donate link. Any amount is fine. We don't have any subscriptions or recurring payments or anything like that. But uh, if you would like to, that is an easy, direct way to give. The other easiest way probably is just to go through our Amazon link at com. If you hit through that link there, anything you buy through that link will get us a little bit of a percentage back. So you don't have to pay anything extra. You still get the same products you want and we get the benefit. So win, 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 as they say. So let's get into, I guess, Kevin, our news items here. Why don't you uh, take the reins <laughs> All right, so one of the great merchandising things
3: that they've done with The Office are those bobbleheads, of course. And there is a new Kevin Malone bobblehead from the official Office website at NBC. The Office Kevin Malone's second edition bobblehead and his lovable grin has finally arrived. He's backed by popular demand, and it's brand new and completely different from the original sold-out Kevin. Plus, this time, he brought candy. The first edition sold out and will never reappear, so make sure you don't
1: miss out on the Office Kevin Malone second edition Bobblehead. So I, uh, I have the original, and really the only one that thematically makes sense, Dwight Bobblehead. Yes. Um, have you invested in all the cast member Bobbleheads? I have not invested. <laughs> well, it's too late now. That's the thing that kills me about this stuff like the Kevin Bobblehead. Well, oh, it's, it's sold out. Well, all you got to do is make more. Why are they sold? Well, because it's a, collect- you know, it's a
3: collector's thing, right? I mean, I scarcity Scarcity is a precious value with collector's market.
1: But they made like $8 billion of those Dwight ones, so. Yeah, well. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, that's our news segment for this week. But if you can't get enough of our brilliant insights, you can follow Kevin and myself on Twitter at twitter.com slash summer or twitter.com slash kevin crossman are our personal accounts, and I actually have not been using Twitter all that much lately. I tend to... i become much more Facebooky with my postings, but uh, uh, maybe I'll try to get some more stuff out there. If you would just like to follow the dedicated That's What She Said feed, you can go to... Uh, what is it? Twitter.com slash TWSS podcast. That's right, and we had a bunch of little
3: factoids that I posted out
1: on that uh, feed
3: while I was watching Pam's replacement. So... You might want to check that out.
1: All right. I guess I I know what I'm missing now. I got to go watch it and go back through my feed. The next episode to air at the time of this recording is the episode called Gettysburg, which
3: will be airing on November 17th. Andy decides to motivate and inspire everyone by taking them on a field trip to Gettysburg. Some people in the office stay behind, and Robert, California, asked them to come up with Dunder Mifflin Sabre's next big idea. Hmm. So a little field trip again for some people here in the office and more business with Robert, California.
1: Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I like the splitting thing all the time. I mean, if you're going to have the office go on a field trip, don't you want to have like, – You everyone? would want
3: them all, right. Now, that being said, as long as Ryan is in this next big idea group, it, it should be – quite good i think
2: <laughs> all right i'm a director what on a film set is the highest title there is do you know anything about a film i know everything about a film i've seen over 240 of them
0: congratulations
1: all right speaking of congratulations i think this is the third episode in a row that we've had a movie segment so kevin congratulations to you what do we got this week all right, up this week is the 2011
3: American comedy-drama film called Peep World, which features Rain Wilson. Now, this is an ensemble cast featuring people like uh, Michael C. Hall and Sarah Silverman, and Judy Greer, Taraji P. Henson, and Alicia Witt. And it's, uh, you know, we talked about Super a couple weeks ago as uh, kind of a Rain Wilson vehicle, really big film with him. He's in this film. He plays a little bit more of a, a lovable loser but kind of not so separated from the Dwight character so I guess what I'm saying is that if you're going to see Rain Wilson set your expectations low because this is an ensemble piece it's a pretty short film and uh, basically there's three brothers and the sister who all hate each other and they uh, eventually concludes at a dinner family dinner with the father that they all hate and uh, Rain Wilson plays kind of this uh, screw-up brother who hasn't you know amounted to much and he's got a younger brother who's successful and an older brother is sort of successful but a sex addict so kind of a weird indie comedy but still might be worth your while as a uh, fan of rain wilson so
1: all right and how did you watch that was that uh just via netflix or would you get that from? i watched it on cable all right well uh and it's peep world you said peep world all right we'll take uh keep our eyes out i guess
2: What's the meaning of this email that everyone got. There's an email count. I've outlined the exact parameters in an email, so check your spam folder.
1: All right, time for our favorite segment of the podcast, the feedback section. So look, if you have not written or you have some comments or some interesting things to say, what are you waiting for? You just might get red here on the show. So our first feedback here is on episode 126, where we talked about spooked and uh, Kath or Kathy. I'm sorry if I'm butchering that, but said, I just listened to your podcast and it helped me understand why I dislike this episode. Always glad to help. Having things go badly for Erin doesn't work in a comedy. I could see her as the angelic heroine who meets a tragic fate in an Italian opera, but in a sitcom it doesn't work. She isn't a strong character who can take care of herself or determine her own fate. Rather, she is the poor little simple-minded orphan. No one wants to see that kind of person screwed over, and you can't milk comedy out of it the writers need to either give her character a break or else rewrite her into someone with a brain and a backbone. Love the podcast. Wish you had better material to work with.
3: Good observations from Kathy there. Andrew McRoberts wrote, I wanted to comment on your news portion of the spooked podcast when you detailed the precipitous drop in ratings for that week's episode. I'm not sure if this was occurring to anyone else, but my DVR completely neglected to record that episode, even though I have a series recording scheduled. I ended up having to watch the episode on the office website on NBC.com. Keep up the good work. I know it is not easy to decipher the enigma that is a post Steve Carell
1: Era office. <laughs> All right, uh, and some feedback then on Doomsday. So <coughs> our 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 listener Robert Connecticut, who uh, formerly known as Gazoo, said although the premise was outlandish, I really loved the first half of the EP, particularly the Toby Gabe scene. The second half was a bit of a letdown, and it seemed like someone came up with the idea of Jim and Robert playing squash. And then forgetting to write any jokes in the scene. Mm. Uh, and I agree, so that's why I am right. I was also a bit disappointed in Annie's lack of leadership of at Dwight's. Um what happened to that guy from Lotto? Interesting that they seem to be Ryanizing Gabe in that a character who started off more or less straight, reacting to the craziness around him, is now becoming a zany in his own Right. So kind of interesting. I guess we haven't really talked about that. What do you think about that last bit there about how Gabe is – used to sort of be a straight man, but now he's kind of becoming more of a goofball.
3: Well, he started – I mean they've been goofing him up for a while, that whole awkward dinner that they had over at his apartment last season and some of the other stuff. I mean he's been kind of weird for a while, but you're right. This is very similar to what they did with Ryan – and Ryan, for now, of course, is just a complete caricature. I mean, it'd be shocking to go back to like season one, season two, Ryan. And, you know, who is this guy who looks like the Ryan we know now? But see, kids, that is why you shouldn't take drugs. <laughs> uh, yeah, you become a hipster. All right. <laughs> All right Kyle wrote, uh, Kyle wrote, watching that episode was like eating a hot circle of garbage.
1: Ouch. Not a fan. Yeah, nice reference back to the old Pizza uh, pizza Delivery Boy episode. So, All right. Archie, on the other hand, said, I thought the premise of the plot was a bit cheap, some wacky device that somehow knows every mistake that's made. However, the In the Office plot wasn't too bad in the end. It had a few laughs, and I enjoyed The Office working together to stop the Doomsday device. However, like many other episodes In the Office, once you step outside Dunder Mifflin, they get worse. Similar to his football skills, it doesn't go with his character that he would be so bad at squash. Obviously, talking about Jim. Just mm-hmm. cheap laughs, in my opinion. And they can't seem to get enough of absurd Kevin jokes, can they? So, we already kind of talked about that, I guess. Kevin well, was getting except, dumber and dumber. Except that I really thought that the
3: part there at the end with Dwight and Pam, especially, was actually one of the highlights of this episode. So, I. You know, that was outside the office, and the fact that it was in that kind of setting, I think, was what helped set up that uh, dynamic and how it went down. So, for what it's worth, I (laughs) like that part. All (laughs) All right, Muck Mallard wrote, The first X... Choosing to watch this episode, Ouch. so some good uh, pithy comments by the people who hated this episode. This I time. guess. No, like I, I don't.
1: I don't mind pithy comments, but um, you know, I know Muck Mallard, obviously a very long time listener and freaking contributor uh-huh. to the to the blog page. Um, I mean, it's a good funny line, but really, why? What was wrong? What did you find objectionable to it, or what was the things that you thought were kind of failing? Because um, obviously, I enjoyed this quite a bit, and uh, you know, I like to know what people thought was wrong with it you know i kind of nitpicked it ourselves a little bit but uh i don't know so yeah give us some details i mean a pippy line is fine but you know gotta have some stuff to talk about i guess on the show so next time let me know what's going on all right jacob wright wrote in and said well this had every right to be a terrible episode based on the plot description however it is one of my favorites now, and definitely better than anything this season. Called Open was hilarious. Stanley was priceless. Toby messing with Gabe. Loved it. The one flaw I can find with the episode is how silly I thought the rest of the Gabe plotline was after the Toby encounter. Not terrible, but my least favorite part of the episode. But hey, Poe buddies nerfect! <laughs> All right, so nice job there. Now, uh, Kevin, there is one more mention I do need to make. This is not really feedback, but... um, I was hoping you were going to get to this. Yeah, I don't know if you remember. (laughs) Uh, A couple weeks ago, you and I were kind of talking about this, and I was sort of debating with you about whether I needed to get a Kindle, and I said I I had my eyes on the new Kindle Touch, but I had an iPhone 4, and I want to buy an iPad 3 next year, and, and you kind of said there's no reason I need to. Um, and I was sort of like eh, i don 't know well, listener Mike Bowers uh, stepped up in a big way and wrote me a message, and pretty much just said, "Hey, long time listener, you know I have never contributed anything or given anything to the podcast, but uh, he 's like, I won a Kindle and a cover and a work contest, and I have no need for it so he asked me if I would like it, and I of course said yes, and he sent it to me so uh, it's, it's pretty cool. I really appreciate it. It's got the Kindle with keyboard 3G and the lighted leatherette cover. So, very cool. I've been using it quite a bit the last week or so. So, thanks again to Mike Bowers. Awesome. Well, that's about going to do it for us for this week. Join us in a week or so, I guess, for episode 128, where we talk about Pam's replacement send any comments or constructive compliments or free items like iPads or anything else (laughs) you don't have, (laughs) you don't want to use (laughs) to TWSS podcast at gmail.com and visit our blog page at TWSS podcast.com. If you enjoy the show, leave positive feedback on iTunes. If you have a comment or you want to say something, just shoot us an email or go to the blog page, comment on the episodes. So we have some stuff to put in the feedback section Music for the episode was provided by Music Alley from Mavio. Check it out at MusicAlley.com. And remember, head on over to NBC.com slash The Office during the week for additional deleted scenes, interviews, episode recaps, cast blogs, and more. Uh, Speaking of which, though, I don't know what the heck was wrong with that thing. It was going like molasses tonight, but uh, hopefully it will get better. Um, For Kevin Crossman, I am Matt Summer, and we are out of here.
2: Let everyone go to his private shelter. Empty the streets. There to find the city of the dead. May the blessing of the Balm Almighty and the fellowship of the Holy Fallout descend on us all, this day and forevermore.
4: One of the countless billions of galaxies in the universe lies a medium-sized
1: star. And one of its satellites, a green and insignificant
4: planet, is now dead.
1: Oh, that's pretty interesting. Is that Beck?
3: That was Beck as the song there with clips from Beneath the Planet of the Apes, which featured a memorable doomsday
1: device that blew up the entire (laughs) Earth. All right. Well, Kevin, you once again (laughs) redeem yourself (laughs) at the end with a great... Musical pick. (laughs) (laughs) All right, take care.